are listening to the Paranormal Chronicles radio show. Here is your host, paranormal researcher and author of the best-selling A Most Haunted House, Gavin Lee Davis. Welcome, my name is JL Davis, founder of theparanormalchronicles.com and author of the number one best-selling true account, that is, Haunted Horror of Haverford West. Please be advised that tonight's show contains reference to drug use and its effects and adult themes. So if you are sensitive to such things, then maybe check out one of our other shows on ghosts, demons, aliens and on-location reports. This series prides itself on bringing you unheard and fascinating accounts. Thank you to everyone for joining us on our mission to explore the strange, the paranormal and the spiritual. This series is brought to you by our series sponsor, sixth-books.com. Sixth-books.com will open your mind with a range of books on the supernatural, hauntings, spirituality and mediumship. So visit www.sixth-books.com today. Huge shout out to everyone that is following. Our growth is phenomenal and everyone that follows the series is entered into a monthly prize draw. Plus we have Amazon vouchers to give away over the summer. Listen to the last episode on the Owlman of Haverford West for details. We have incredible guests to share with you over the summer, so press follow now. If you have a story, theory or experience you would like to share, then contact us on Facebook or Instagram at The Paranormal Chronicles, tweet at Paracron or email paranormalchronicles at aol.com. We will get back to you on tonight's show. Did an out-of-body experience lead one man on an incredible journey that led him on a path of spirituality, aliens and a theory we live in a matrix-like construct? In this incredible feature-length interview, John H.K. Fisher, for the first time ever, talks about his life in an intense spiritual group that he was part of for nearly 50 years, and talks of the incredible things he saw, from shape-shifting, telepathy, men walking through walls, angels appearing, God's true purpose, and when the world will end, and so much more that it will blow your mind. Why did John leave the group after a lifetime of service? What secrets will he reveal? And how did he lose God? And find aliens or a construct. John H.K. Fisher is a musician, a high school teacher and a truth seeker. He is a singer-songwriter and also plays piano, flute and guitar and has released two albums. His personal experience is covered in the fictional narrative that is Blink of an Eye, his first novel, which is available from www.cosmicegg-books.com. At the end of this fascinating, mind-blowing and at times heartbreaking interview, John will tell you how you can read the first chapter of Blink of an Eye and also how you can have free songs sent to you for just saying hello. The Paranormal Chronicles will always strive to bring you the best real-life experiences, personal paranormal encounters, and on-location reports. And this episode, well, you've never heard anything like this. So, on with the show. Thank you very much for joining us, John. We are so thrilled to have you on our show, all the way from Canada. Now, before we begin, what our audience enjoys, they like to hear about personal, unexplained, mysterious, paranormal encounters. Unexplained encounter would be sitting under a tree, playing my guitar. I was, and I was trying to write a song about deer coming down the mountain. I could see, you know, on the other side of the lake, there was a mountain, just getting into the whole space. And I was learning about meditation. I was reading some Eastern philosophy. I had an introduction when I was nine years old into 
of the Maharishi from TM. He came to Canada, to Calgary, Alberta, and my parents took me there to get a mantra and spark something in me. My sister was there too, and she just thought it was a joke and, and it was nothing to her, but something it triggered something in me. I was a real seeker, curiosity type of person and stuff, and it really hit a core with me. And I was under that tree, and I guess the word, the mantra, just started coming on its own. And all of a sudden, this word just overpowered everything. And at the time, being 14 and, you know, not knowing anything other than you go to church every Sunday and blah, blah, blah. I left the body. I really felt I left the body. I didn't know I left the body at first, but all of a sudden I was flying into the sky and I saw stars and I was flying into the stars and I was just so consumed by this feeling of expansion and love and bliss and it was just amazing. more I flew into stars, the more it expanded and I could just started, I could vividly see my family and I loved them. I wanted to send love to them. There was a lot of conflict in our family and I, and I was just totally transcended it all and it all just became in, so insignificant, all the struggles and all the, all the <clears throat> disagreements and stuff. And there was just this overpowering feeling of love and bliss. Then I thought of all my all the people I'd met. They came into my consciousness. I, I don't think I saw them like physically or anything like some people report, but it was more of a feeling and it just encompassed the whole universe eventually. Animals, everything just happened so quickly. And then I started wondering, well, where am I? Like, what is going on? And started to look around. And then I looked down and I could see myself with the guitar in my hand underneath the tree and I saw the lake and all of a sudden I was back in my body. I mean, it just happened so quickly. It was just, I guess, a moment of doubt and I was right back in my body. But it was just so real. It was more real and more tangible, more meaningful in my life than any other connection or experience that I had up to that point. It felt eternal. It felt lasting. It felt something that I was on now a different plane, a different level of human experience that was going to last. Well, that was my first unexplained one. Like I had a experience where I could explain it by, well, that was that was drugs or that was, you know. Please share it because, this, you know, I, I'm not advocating the use of drugs or alcohol or anything of that nature. But sometimes, you know, these substances can help open our minds into other realities and other opportunities to see things aren't necessarily there for us to see in everyday life. Yeah, I was at a party and we decided to take these pills and we didn't know what it was. We we're just 14. And we. I lived in a small town that was on the highway from Toronto to Vancouver and everybody stopped into this small town on their way through all the hippies and you know a lot of business people and a lot of uh traffic was going through from toronto to vancouver so i guess yeah the drug dealers were coming through and the hippies and stuff like that everybody wanted to check out the west coast from the east coast and the people in the west were checking out the east coast so everybody was traveling through and i was sitting there and then i had a pet squirrel that had died a dog ate it but before that, it was everywhere with me. I take it to the park, all the hippies, all the people at the park. I took it to school, fed it with um, a syringe and all that, like right from birth, because uh, the mother died in a river and we caught it uh, as a baby. So we nursed it. All of a sudden, it was in one of the pictures. And I started screaming, there's Homer. And and then all of a sudden, I went over to to grab him and he jumped out. 
and he jumped on the couch and I was just freaking out like it's Homer, it's Homer. And I was telling everybody he's alive, he's alive, he's come back. And then he ran into a bedroom. So I went chasing into the bedroom and everybody jumped into the bedroom looking for Homer. <laughs> and everybody was freaking out looking for Homer. And then he, some of the couples started making out. So then we all left and then, and then I saw Homer go back into the picture and then he disappeared. I was just so amazed that Homer was there and I couldn't talk to him or I couldn't, you know, reconnect with him. He just kept running away from me. I was just so emotional by that. So I, I was and I was kind of mad because everybody started teasing me and saying, oh, he's gone crazy, seeing his dead pet and all this and kind of was bummed out. And I left the party and I went to a park in the middle of town but it was kind of a secluded park you had a big fence around it and had big trees and everything there was strychnine in that whatever pill that we took whatever it was and so apparently later i heard that a couple of my friends got rushed to the hospital with really bad pain in their stomach and i had a real bad pain in my stomach I didn't know at the time, but the police were looking for me to help me, to take me to the hospital. But I thought they were after me. So when I saw them come into the park with their flashlights, I climbed up a tree and I went way, way high up in this tree and to get away from everybody. And I didn't know they were trying to help me. I just felt threatened and I went up the tree and I was in a lot of pain and I was very scared they were you're 14 and you're afraid to death if your parents find out or if the cops get you and all this it's very very scary and I was up in this tree and all the branches turned into snakes and they were coming after me and I wanted to scream and everything but I, then I, the people would hear where I was and stuff so I was trying to hold it in and it was a very frustrating moment because I was brought up in Canada, you go to school and there's God at school. You go every Sunday, you're told that you have to go to church and there's a church on every corner. And, you know, it's a big part of your mental upbringing. You're supposed to look at the world. And so just automatically, I just prayed to God. I started reaching out to God and saying, you know, well, if you are real, I'm going to die here. Like the snakes were going to kill me or praying to God, all of a sudden a bolt of lightning came out of the out of the sky. Pain that I was feeling in my stomach and the fear and everything went away and I felt happy and full of bliss and stuff. I can overcome anything. I can do anything. Like and I came down from the tree. Yeah, when I went to the park, when I first went to the park, I didn't go into the tree right away. There was some weird experiences and it's in the book. People were came out of the party, knew I was hallucinating, so they were playing tricks on me. Uh one guy hid behind a tree and he had a knife he came out from the tree and i saw him as a bear he was a bear and he had a knife and he went over to the waiting pool and started killing and stabbing my friend uh susie this and it was a wild party john i've got to say yeah this, this was a, a wild, wild night. party do you think it was yeah. the drugs or do you think this was something more no i'm pretty sure it was the drugs it it it, it triggered emotions uh, that I couldn't control. And, and I seem to have insight. Like people, like I remember one f friend turned into a fox. He was a sly fox. And another one was kind of like this bear. And somebody else turned into something else. Oh, the girl in the pond, I saw her as an angel. She had wings. And I thought, I kept saying, fly away, fly away. You can fly. And because the bear was coming at her. And then they disappeared. The, all of a sudden, the, the pond turned into a giant whirlpool and sucked them into the whirlpool. And, and my jaw got stuck in an emotional state open. So my mouth was open. I couldn't talk. And I was trying to scream for the police at that time. So, the, yeah, this was, you know, a few hours, I guess, or an hour before I went up in the tree. Girl from school found me and 
and I couldn't close my mouth. And she took me to a church to calm me down. And I calmed down and I told her, you know, yeah, we took these pills and I'm just freaking out. What should I do? How I need help and stuff. Yeah, really badly hallucinating. It was just, but it was so, you know, it was so petrifying. Yeah, it was so real. It was just unbelievable real. And then those two people that died uh, came into the church and said they were sorry and they were just messing with me and stuff. I, but I don't know how he was able to turn into a bear. I mean, that was my hallucination. And then the whirlpool and all that was in my imagination. But he actually did uh, hide behind the tree and, and, and come out like with growls and all that. And he actually did pretend he was killing her. They were just doing that to freak me out. I couldn't go. To, I was saying to my friend, let's go to the police. Let's go to the police. And she knew it was just a joke. So she took me to church. You know, they're party animals and whatever. They just got back to party and left me alone. And I that's when I went up the tree. That was some potent pharmaceuticals that probably from the effect opened your mind to perceive more in the world than there actually is do you think that could be the case yeah it, it triggered networks in my brain that i'd never known were there for sure it triggered me differently than anybody else for sure so nobody yeah. that you can recall who was at the party they didn't go on a similar journey to you later in life at all there were a few that came with me from that journey they didn't really come with me some of them were ahead of me and actually they influenced me into further further actually i went into a spiritual direction after that uh the things that happened to me were just so powerful and so real that it to make huge changes in my life and have the power to do it without any second thought or without any doubt it was just huge it was just mind-boggling because before that i was like the 14 year old lost not knowing you know who to hang out with or what my purpose in life was and you know, just exploring different things. I've been dabbling in music, but I didn't like my music teacher. And I didn't like, you know, all the structure of practicing and all that. And you're in a small town. You don't know what's available in the world or what, you know, and you're getting all this pressure from people around you, right, to go and be a lawyer, a doctor and all that kind of stuff and, and school, right, all the pressures of school and stuff. I had that experience when I was nine with the Maharishi from TM. So then my mom had some books laying around and she'd gone off. Her church was really mad that when they found out and said it was the devil and forced her back into the church. But me, I was so rebellious and I just said no way and all that. And But then there's some Jesus freaks came through town a barefooted Jesus freak. So I kind of got into that for a while and I went barefooted to school and then I got sent home because you're not allowed to not wear shoes to school. <laughs> but anyway, so I had these books and I became a vegetarian overnight because my, that love experience that I had was so universal and I had love for ants and bugs and I wouldn't even kill a mosquito after that. My dad would laugh because we had ants coming in the house and I used to collect them with honey and then take them out, try to make, get them to live outside instead of in our house <laughs> so it was pretty extreme i just had this overwhelming connection to the to every living thing and to the universe kind of thing and but it was just so powerful and real that it i just couldn't look at it any other way like i would never have sat back and tried to look at this scientifically or anything like that it was just you're brought up brainwashed that there is a god so this was a god experience because that's the only inter way you're you know, you're allowed to interpret things. Yeah. And then, but when I went to the church and tried to tell them my experience, 
there was they yeah they couldn't help me because they're just so grounded in reality and this was just so beyond god's chosen me and i'm going to be with god and i'm going to be his mouthpiece you know you start going wild with all these ideas right because it was just so powerful and out of the ordinary but it, but people were just saying i was crazy and they my dad said shut up don't talk to my stepdad don't talk about this to anybody and you know my sister like everybody is telling me to shut up because it's it was embarrassing right they just thought it came from the drugs and then you know people said don't talk about it because then they'll know that you did drugs you're not supposed to do that right of course so that was the one thing so i just kept the lid on it and and i just secretly even meditation like i tried to talk to my drama teacher and he you know people get so mad about it you know like that's the devil you're going to open your mind to the devil you know, you're sitting there and the devil's going to come in and take over your life. So counter. So I just secretly meditated. I did yoga. You know, this is like at 14, I was a vegetarian in the small town in BC. That's all based on hunting and fishing and all that. Like, yeah, it was just, I, you know, I had to get out of there. So, yeah, whenever, as soon as I could, I went to Vancouver. John, so you're 14 years old. You've had some mind and life altering experiences. You want answers. You want to practice a different route in life, but nobody is supporting you. No one is encouraging you. No one is helping you. So you're doing all of this on your own. Yeah, totally. Yeah, in secret. <laughs> Very secret because yeah, the, the feedback was just so negative and, and just, yeah, so much anger about it. Like, you know, when you're a kid, you don't understand all society's pressures and societies. They want you in a box, right? And anything outside that box are going to be violently against it. And I mean, anybody who tries to get out of the box are either in jail or dead or there was a biker gang that had a like a camp outside of this small town. And then the hippies took it over when the bikers left. We used to always go up there. And, the, and then this girl came through from, I don't know, Europe, I think even. I don't even think she was from North America. And she was coming from Toronto to Vancouver. And there was a master that was in vancouver and she was on her way to see this master spiritual master and and she was just beautiful like an angel type of beauty and long hair and just you know one of those beauty beautiful uh flower girls and and she talked about this chastity and everybody was so freaked out like i, I can remember friends saying oh i'll show her what chastity is and you know they it was a challenge right yeah. Everybody thought, oh, this is a challenge. We'll see if you know, we can get her off this chastity thing. It's So all the guys were just beast of the honey kind of thing, beast of the flower. Like They were just so attracted to her. And, and so anyway, but she was so strong and she, in her beliefs and everything. So that, you know, all these different things, you know, you heard about. You heard about the good, the bad, the ugly. Like there was an influence from just everything that was going on, like, Society was just opening up at that time, right? The 60s, everything was new and everybody, everything was exploding. Like it was the sexual revolution. Everybody was breaking out of the, trying to break out of these boxes that everybody, you know, that society was trying to put everybody in. So it was a very exciting time, like looking back at it. But anyway, so she took off to Vancouver and all, you know, some friends that were really, I was real close to playing music and stuff. They took off to follow her to meet this master and so that was when Kripal Singh was coming into at Vancouver it was a real big deal for 
you know, this certain group. And especially the hippies. For some reason, Kurt Paul just he just connected with all the hippies, or the hippies connected to his message. Because apparently, years later, he said, "I don't know how that happened. I wasn't there for the hippies, but the hippies <laughs> just owned him." And even Ramdas and you know all these guys knew about it and met him and all that and checked it out. But you know, some people committed to it and went you know down that rabbit hole 100 percent. You know, that was my connection to God was Jesus through Jesus. And so I was really praying to Jesus and saying, well, come to me, talk to me, appear to me. Like every time I saw his picture, I would just be on my knees praying and just so emotional. Every time I looked at him, that brought me back to that experience that I had when I left the body, that intensity, that universal love and everything. His picture resonated that, you know, brought that out of me. So that's how I kept it going because to be truthful, like I think it took three weeks when I left, when I left the body under that tree, it started to die. And I wasn't promised I would never drink after that. And I never did. I promised I'd never touch a drug after that. And I never did. So it was very powerful. It, it made me a vegetarian off drugs, off drinking, uh, yeah, you, you know, meditation. Yeah. And just totally focused. I had music though. But music all of a sudden just wasn't important. I started being lonely, and then you get the feeling like you got to have a girlfriend. And, and then yeah. you try to talk to a girl, and they just think you're crazy, and they run away. And Yeah, so then I think loneliness was the first thing that brought me away from it. Because before that, for three weeks, this was going to be my life fulfillment with God, and I was going to have the Jesus experience kind of thing. The whole thing with Christianity, that the main thing that resonated with me is Jesus said, seek and you shall find. And, you know, that just seemed like if God is real, that if that's his promise, then that was my journey then. This is a long time ago, so it's all very vague to me now. I'm glad that eventually I wrote a lot of this down because at the time I didn't write it all down. And you just think, oh, you'll never forget this stuff. The first time I went to Vancouver, I think I was 16 because all my friends were already, they were older than me and they were already settled out there. And they, you know, I just went out there. So the first thing I checked out was TM had an office there. And so I go to this office and they, they tested me. They stuck needles in me and they made me meditate and they uh, did all these tests on me. And they said, oh, I'm at the second level. So I owe a thousand dollars. And then they said, if you want to get to the third level, you got to pay another thousand dollars. And I, and I just had a vision monstrous, like a cam. Yeah, like I saw the people changed. Like it was as if I was on acid again, and I just saw them as they weren't angels, you know, anymore. So I ran away from that. That just hit me as really weird. Like, but you know, now looking back at it, you know, you know, I can understand more. Like, but at the time, because I, I was looking for pure love, and you know, God would never think of charging. You know what I mean? A thousand bucks to get on the team. Yeah, they wanted a thousand bucks because on my own, I had gotten to the second level. They said all, all on my own because they stuck needles in me and I couldn't feel it. They did all these tests on me, like while I was meditating. They tried. To to distract me and then they asked me questions what did i experience and all that and they said well you're at the second level buddy but we don't know how you did it because you did it on your own but uh you owe us a thousand dollars because when i was nine i got that mantra from the from the leader that the maharaji the same guy the beatles met he came to calgary and and so when i was nine so that word was always there especially like once I had that out-of-body experience, that the word was on, on its own without me even thinking. 
thinking about it. It was just always there. He planted a seed. Big time, yeah, that, that word. My mind just latched onto that. That just kept coming on its own. Like, it would put me to sleep at night, and when I wake up, it was there. Are you allowed to repeat what the word was? Well, no, like, not if you're a member. It's all secret. Like, I remember when we were nine, my sister started telling everybody. She ran out of the room. Oh, this is a joke. We, got to, we have to say this stupid <laughs> word. She was telling everybody. So... They took her back in and said, that's not allowed. And they gave her another word. And they said, you're not allowed to repeat it. Otherwise, you won't have any power from it. If I and, gave you a thousand dollars, could you tell me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, everybody knows the word. It's written everywhere now. Like for me, the word, oh, yeah, I thought it was Om, But my sister told me the other day that, no, it was Ang or something, Ang. But yeah, it's nowadays it's out there. It's written and stuff. Later in life, Om came to me. I guess that's because of Ramdas. I was really into Ramdas, and he was into Om. Om Mani Padme Om. Om Mani Padme Om. I wrote a song like that, and Ang, I guess, was was the word I got when I was nine. But anyway, so you didn't have to pay me a thousand bucks. Thank you very much. I should have just Googled it. So did you get one-to-one time with the master or was it like a series of tutors or teachers you had to work with to get to a certain level to get access to the master? I didn't stay. Like as soon as I went to Vancouver, like there was nobody in, in where I was from, small town. So as soon as I went to Vancouver, I went to their office and that I had that bad experience. I thought, oh, these group things are no good so my friends are saying well check out Kripal like I didn't go to Vancouver when he was there so I missed that whole thing and then he passed away uh, all these friends of mine were really lost because their master died had passed on I listened to them and I go well I don't want to be in a group you know that puts you in another box I want God directly they were kind of lost who's the next master and who do you know to carry them forward and I was like well it's got to come from God right I'm just waiting for guidance directly from God I don't want to go through people or you know, I went back to Cranbrook, finished my high school. As soon as I could, I left and went back to Vancouver on my own. Like, But I was enrolled in university and stuff. Day after day, there's no guidance. There's, you don't have that same intensity of no doubts and everything. Like doubts start coming in. And, you know, I was studying all the different religions. I took courses on on all the different religions and stuff like that. And I was talking to lots of different people. And then all your desires come back in. You got to find a job. You can't just meditate and survive, you know, like you got to make money and you got to live in the real world. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, what to eat? Uh, what's right? What's wrong? Like, do, are you allowed to have a girlfriend? Or are you allowed to have sex? No sex? Like, you know, all these big questions, how to live your life. And do you give all your money away? Or can I do music? Is that allowed? Or is that a sin? And all these different things like so and there's no guidance because I'm sitting there meditating waiting for Jesus to talk to me and to come to me and he never did after that like and I was just so hungry for the next experience and for yeah. guidance and it never came like you have this experience and you think that's your life and then there's nobody there's no follow through then I started doubting God like why aren't you following through like what was that and then people were saying oh it was just a drug thing and then there's no God then that whole thing started happening too like all of a sudden, for the first time in history, people were saying, no, God, like that was never heard of before. Right. Yeah. And then science started becoming more popular. And like once you get into the 70s, people thought religion and God was done because of science. And like some of the hippies went into, you know, doing stripper clubs. Stripper clubs in Vancouver was huge. And I ended up getting a job as a flute player in a band that played in a strip club. That doesn't sound so, like a bad job to me. <laughs> 
It was awesome. I just got on a bus with my flute and went to a job and got paid. And I met these incredible girls. And here I am going home to meditate to God, wondering where's Jesus. And then, <laughs> oh, man, it was just such a struggle. So I ended up on a bridge one night going to jump off because it was just too much for me. Like, if you're not going to come and guide me, then what, you know, I don't know what to do. And I'm be a fallen angel because I couldn't hold it together. It was just too complicated. Like, how do you live in the world and make a living and, and, you know, have to be with all the people that are into normal things? That's when instead of killing myself, I decided to join the group. So I went to the Kripal group and I said, I'm, I'm going to kill myself if I don't get any help here. And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, read the book. So they gave me all the books and, it, and the books just hit me like this is truth. It explained my experiences. It told me, you know, like this thing could take four lifetimes. It explained that I had a soul and that the soul is going to reincarnate. But once you get initiated to have a master, then you're set. And then they said nine generations are saved. So you're saving the world by becoming an initiate. You don't have to do anything. You just have to get initiated and all your family for nine generations past and future are saved. So I eventually joined that group. And after 30 years bashing my head against the wall, uh, they told me that scene is believing and I, you know, I'd be telepathic. I'd I'd go within and to all the different planes, and I'd meet God. I'd meet the Master within, and they told me all these stories. and And then you'd go to these ash. I think I lived in the ashrams and everything, and. People would tell me, yeah, they saw God and they talked to God and all this stuff. And, and God appears to them. The master appears to them. And, they, you know, you have all this common, you know, thing. But you still have to live in the world. You can't just live in the ashram. Like, so it's still a struggle. And, you know, animal instincts yeah. and everything. You know, it was a real struggle. 30 years. It wasn't a cakewalk, let me tell you. And uh, it was highs and lows. And then there was nobody knew who the next master was. So there was a big fight and rift over that. People saying this is the one this is the one so there's a huge fight and families were split apart best friends were enemies because one would say do things one way the other would like people had businesses and the businesses had to fold because one you know partners went to different masters and stuff like they it became a huge thing the cripple thing because a lot of people went into health food stores and they became millionaires they had huge businesses and these businesses were all affected by this when Kripal died and stuff, because he was, you know, leading them. And uh, so it was a huge thing in Vancouver. So during this time, you're devoted to this group and their philosophies and their teachings. Are you working? Are you married? Do you have a family? Or are you just concentrating on the teachings and, and looking for that experience? Yeah, <laughs> it was a struggle because you're trying to find somebody with chemistry. Like people would just marry because they're part of the group. And sometimes people would just marry people. They would just say, well, you marry marry so-and-so you know you got to be married in this in the past you couldn't you couldn't be with a girl and see the master you could only be married so i wanted to go to india and but at the same time i just had such an intense desire to be with a woman to me that i couldn't find fulfillment i was lonely i was miserable on my own so this girl said let's get married and we'll go to india and we'll be together so i was like okay you go to the master and your high is a kite and everything's wonderful but then you come back to reality and so we didn't last too long we didn't have kids or anything so yeah it was a real struggle trying to stay focused on the path it was the most strict path on the planet probably i don't know any other path that wasn't as strict as this one 
Ramdas even talked about it. He said, well, if you want to, you know, get to God in this lifetime and and follow a real strict path, go to Kirpal. But if you want to, you know, take your time and have some fun on the way, yeah. <laughs> you know, don't go, don't go to Kirpal. <laughs> we will be right back after these important messages. Hi there. My name is Claire Waters, and I would like to invite you on an incredible journey. I have written a book based on my personal experiences called Raising Faith, a true story of raising a child's psychic medium. It's my family's extraordinary experiences with our young daughter's ability to communicate with spirits and the inspirational lessons learned on our journey. Raising Faith is currently available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kindle, and wherever books are sold. Join me on this beautiful and incredible adventure. For more information on Raising Faith, visit my website, raisingfaith.co.uk, or my Facebook page, Raising Faith Book. See you there. Sixth books will take you to other worlds, haunt you, open your mind, and push you far beyond the veil of the unknown. Sixth Books is a leading publisher of books on the body, mind, and spirit, the paranormal, consciousness, ancient wisdom, and the afterlife. Explore today, learn today, open your mind today, read today. Visit sixth-books.com today. The world as you know it is about to change. Do you wish for more paranormal and spiritual content? The Paranormal Chronicles magazine is a free digital magazine crammed with the very best in paranormal and spiritual articles and features. No sign-up, no subscription, just free reading and knowledge for you. Read today at www.theparanormalchronicles.com forward slash magazine. The International Chart Topping. Haunted. Horror of Haverford West has been described as terrifyingly real, a must-read, shocking and chilling brilliance, genuinely worrying, utterly frightening. Don't read before bed. Described as one of the spookiest writers out there, best-selling author G.L. Davies presents Haunted Horror of Haverford West, the true paranormal account that is shocking the world. Dare you enter, dare you read, Haunted. Horror of Haverford West is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kindle, and wherever books are sold. Pray you never have to live there. It was a very difficult period of time for for the group, for the community, and I think it was that way worldwide because there were some of the initiates they were very well off and they toured around. One of the wealthy initiates, disciples of Kripal, went to India and he wrote a thesis on who he chose as the next master. And a lot of people disagreed, but he brought that master to Vancouver. And when I met him, when I looked at him, his form changed into Kripal and into other masters. So for me, he was a real aesthetic. He was, he like, he lived in a, built a cave on his property in India all the village would look after him. They'd bring him food and stuff like that. And he was like a more of a, a yogi. And he told stories how 
you know, when the thieves come, he could rise above into the sky and jump over them and stuff. <laughs> he had some wild stories. He looked at me one time and told me something that I did in the past, and uh, it freaked me right out. <laughs> I was sitting there, and my legs were aching and so much pain, and he looked at me, and he said, you can stretch your legs. So he must have noticed I was just so much pain because I was trying to keep that yogi position, the lotus position. He didn't say my name, or he said... This is what initiate did, uh, coming here kind of thing. And and then he goes on. He just made a story out of it, how a soul can get lost. And he was kind of scary. He scared a lot of people, too, because he would talk about the fires of hell and that he would have to go into hell and take the initiates out because they did something. They got off the path. And if they died or something, they'd be in hell and he'd have to go save them and stuff. And he told exactly what I had just done. Like he was in Vermont and but near Boston. And I checked into Boston and I didn't have a place to stay. So I ended up some guy at the bus station said, well, you could stay at my place. And he said, and he says, I'm just going to, I'm just going to this blues club. Just come with me to this blues club. So we were listening to this great blues and stuff. And then a girl, come, some people, some of his friends meet him there and they say, Oh, we're next door. Come next door. And it was a strip club. <laughs> I'm on the way to see the perfect master and I end up in this strip club. So she wanted me to spend the night with her. So I I go and I spend the night with her and I explain to her, well, I'm going to see the master. So we didn't have sex. We didn't sleep together. But, you know, she kept trying all, all night kind of thing. And the master told the story about this initiate who got off the path and was tempted by the girl. And um, if the girl's not on the path, then it's going to delay your journey by many lifetimes. And, and he talked about going to a strip club. He says, guys, you know, they'll get diverted. They'll go to a strip club. And I'm like freaking out. And he's looking right at me out of all these thousands of people. And then he tells the story how he had to go in and save the soul from hell. I don't know. All, all these different things made me connect to this guy. But later I started after a couple of years of following him. And I, and I got people to, you know, friends of mine were on the fence and I got them into it. And then after a couple of years... Um, this other master came to Vancouver and it was a lot more, it wasn't so scary and all this burning hell and, and fire and all this. And he was more into love and talking about forgiveness and, and love. And after two years struggling with the, that one master, I went and I switched, <laughs> I switched teams <laughs> and all oh, that. And then I had so many, it was so political. I had people hate me and death threats and oh, it was really heavy for a while. I had best friends that all of a sudden were no longer talking to me and all this stuff. And so, yeah, it was real hard times. Families broke up because a wife would go with one and the husband would go with the other and families broke up and stuff. So, yeah, it was a very hard emotional time. And I ended up getting into music and ended up on the road. So I, I got out of that whole situation and was in a, another reality away from the ashram and away from all that for quite a while so you left them you left them you had a break from them for a bit is that correct yeah were they happy but, with that were, you know did you have their blessing were you told you're not allowed to talk about anything or was it like come back when you're ready kirpal's all over the world like satsangs and people and stuff that you can connect with so I ended up in Edmonton and there was a satsang already and connected with those people and stuff like that. They always said, seen is believing and all that. And I kept writing to the master saying, well, I've seen these things. It's a tease, but I'm not getting where I want to be. 
I'm still tempted. I'm still, you know, full of desires that come on to me and, you know, all the bad things. Like, why do all these bad things have to keep happening? Like people would steal my stocks. Like I'd go into stocks. It'd be a scam. I'd, you know, and then I had a car accident and, oh, just, and then your health, something happens. And, you know, you're just dealing with all these tragedies in the family and different things. And, you know, and then you're living in the real world, right? So you see all the evil around you. You see all the death, the disease. And they're supposed to be on earth, this God, this perfect master. Instead of like being like a 100% believer, I was always, well, I'll have faith because of, you know, the things I've been told and the things I've experienced. But I need 100% proof. I need, I want to be one with God and then have all that, have no more desires and doubts or anything. Like I want my... I want to merge my soul. I want to have that experience again that I had when I was 14. I was hungry for that. And it never came back. Like I would see the master change forms. And even when I switched masters, the, the next master would do that too. And Sorry to interrupt, John, could you just uh, let our listeners know, when you say switch forms, are you allowed to give us any details on what was happening, what yeah, you were seeing? Yeah, I left the path. Like if you're in the path, you're not allowed to talk about it. You're not allowed to talk about your experiences uh, because then all then that's taken away from you all everything's taken away from you and then you're you can even be excommunicated and stuff like that right you're told you know you have to focus on their eyes and their forehead and stuff you're trying to open up your third eye you're trying to see god and everything that's what you do every day for three hours a day meditating and you're told that uh you'll go through your third eye will open and that's the eye of the soul and the soul will see things your soul can see things that you can't see with your physical eyes. And you're always trying to get that experience. And I had it when I was 14. At least that's what I, how I interpreted it. I interpreted it as my third eye open and I had experience of my soul and I left the body and all that. And there's planes, like there's the astral plane, the causal plane, super causal plane, such con and all that. You know, it's an emotional state. You're looking at the master, you're pining, you're, you're begging for help to get to the next levels and stuff and you're just all your attention is on the master and for sure like for me like i had friends that said all well, that and it would never happen to me and because sometimes they'd ask well do you see anything are you getting ex spiritual experiences you're supposed to hear the music of the spheres the sounds of music like trumpets playing or the angels singing or whatever like bells ringing and all this and it all corresponds to different levels Certain colors, if you see certain colors, that's the astral plane. Different colors are the causal plane. And it all, so there was all this inner knowledge that you were getting that you were trying to manifest in your life and in your meditations and stuff. But yeah, for sure, for me, I would look at the master and his form would get lucid. Like it would start changing and then it'd become very clear and he would be a totally different person speaking his lips would be different his nose his eyes his hat would be different when i go to the library and i look through the past of who them past masters were they're supposed to be like beer and nanak and jesus and all these different masters then i'd go oh yeah i saw that guy i saw that kind of hat and so it was kind of interesting it, it intrigued me like it made me think 
you know, gave me faith. It gave me, yeah, this must, I must be on the right path. There must, there's something here. And, but I talked to other people and they never see that, but some people would hear things and there's all kinds of wild stories. Like, yeah, like I could go on all day about the wild stories Like people would meditate and, you know, have all, they'd go to the inner planes and talk to, you know, lots of souls on the inner planes and stuff like that. Like this, if I'm just focusing on what I had. And then it became real curious to me because he would talk about, you know, your different stages. Like you should be a changed person. Like you should be more loving or more consistent or your meditation should be better. But I was all over the map. Like I'd be high and then low and then I'd have a great dream and then I'd have nightmares and I'd have periods of heavy desires and then periods of contentment and bliss like I'm on the path and stuff it was like a yo-yo like it was like a roller coaster like it was just so exhausting because you get so focused because you're so fulfilled in one direction and then all of a sudden you're just the floor is taken out from under you and you're just falling into hell and then you're in this hell and weird things would happen to me like I was in Edmonton and there was this girl who said she was the master. She was trying to get everybody to follow her. And she came up and she started threatening my life and uh, saying that she was the master. I wasn't allowed to have, there wasn't allowed to be any other masters. <laughs> it was just so bizarre. All these bizarre things would happen out of the blue. And I saw her as a monster. And it... You literally saw her as a monster? Or did you just see that her personality and her behavior were inconsistent and horrid? I went to a psychiatrist once and he asked me what were some of the experiences that I had. He was trying to assess me because I was in a relationship that was having lots of trouble. And um, we went for help. He started focusing on me. And yeah, I was in the car one night. She needed a ride home. I, I played in a restaurant. I was performing. And after I performed... She said I needed a ride home. So I was driving her home and she was saying, you know, that she was the master. Why don't I follow her? All her her initiates were there and they left and she was by herself. And, you know, I explained to her, well, I already have a master and, you know, I, I'll support you. You can be a, fr you know, a friend. And I and I think it's great what you're doing, but I, I it's not for me. I've already got a master. And she like we were parked and she was supposed to get out and go home up to her place and she jumps on me she's on top of me and she put the seat down so it's flat and i'm pinned she pins me there and then i did actually at that second she turned into a like a, a black cloud would come around her and she kind of turned into a witch like her and then her voice she had this deep voice she said oh, i am the master so i don't know if she was putting that on or if it came through her or something i just thought I'm not going to react to this. I'm not going to freak out. I just said, listen, you know, you can't be doing this. You're you're on top of me. This is really inappropriate. Can you please? Uh, I've got to go home. And I was trying to be nice to her and stuff. And she did. She got off of me and she said, she said, OK, well, I'll give you three days. If in three days, if you haven't come back to me and say that I'm the master, then I'll send my forces after you. And she says, I don't know what's going to happen. You might be dead. She said, you might have to be, you know, you might have to be killed by the forces and stuff. And I didn't react. I just, I said, okay, well, I understand and stuff. I was just trying to get her out of my truck. Yeah, get out of the car. And I, Did you believe I, her? Did I, you believe that she had this ability, this power to have you wiped out, killed? Well, I, like I've met psychotic people before. I, I had a roommate once that was schizophrenic and I had a few and I studied at, at university. And we had patients come in and tell about their episodes. 
so yeah, I was kind of hip to some some things, but my own personality, I'm I'm uh, I'm I run away from conflict. I'm that kind of person. Like um, I'm not passive aggressive. I try not to be. I just I'm passive. My first instinct is to run and not fight. Like apparently, as animals, we have fight, flight, or what's the third one? Shock or something, whatever. My first instinct is always just to, to run and then figure things out and, you know what I mean? Regroup and stuff. So my instinct was not to fight with her or argue with her or tell her she was evil or get into any argument with her or anything. She made a statement and I was just going to be passive and let it blow over. And thankfully it worked. She got out of the car. I immediately went home and phoned my master. And he's in India and they said, oh, he's, we're, we're having a wedding. He's the, conducting a wedding. And I said, well, this girl's threatened to kill me. And she says, she's the master and I'm not supposed to have another master. And the guy goes, well, okay, well, I'll go get the master. This sounds pretty heavy. So the master gets on the phone and he's all jovial and he just says, oh, just send her love. Everything will be fine. Just send her love. He says, don't worry about her. She has no power. Just do your mantra. And she said, the master has all, you know, like God has all the power. Love has all the all the powers with love and stuff. And he was just real jovial. And he said, don't worry, just uh, forget about it. And that's what I did. So then I just focused on that. And then when she came up again, she had her disciples up there and everything. And she says, if you ever want to steal from somebody, you look them in the eye and you can take anything from them. And she said, just watch me and I'll prove it to you by the end of the night. So at the end of the night when they were doing the bills, the guy said, OK, you owe thirty dollars. And she looks at him directly in the eye. And she said, oh, I paid my thirty dollars. The The bill came to me and I paid my thirty dollars. It's there. He goes, no, you didn't. And this and then the others started to leave. They, everybody left. Like The ones that paid, they left. And it's just the two of them and me. And she's looking him dead in the eye and she says, listen, I paid my $30. I don't know what you're going on about. And he was just adamant that he, she didn't. And then she was going, they were going on and on and we're in this nice classy restaurant and stuff. And eventually he gives up and he goes, okay, well, I'll just pay. And he took the bill and he paid it. <laughs> and then later she said to me, that's how you steal. You can steal from anybody. Just look him in the eye and you can steal from anybody. And then the next time I saw her, she was she brought up a date and I said, oh, are you still are you still the master? And she says, no, I gave all that up. I gave up my disciples. I told them all to go away. They wouldn't give me their money. So I told them to go away. <laughs> so that was a bizarre experience. At this stage, with everything that's happening, everything's going on, with your doubts and your conflict, we'd spoke before about human beings are in the center of the conflict between spirituality and animal. At the end of the day, we have desires, we have needs, and at the same time, we have this longing for something more. We don't want to be just a monkey. We want to have a purpose. So at this stage, with everything that's happened, the doubts, would you say that you were starting to think, this isn't the experience I wanted? Because how old are you at this stage? How long well, have you been in this? Are you still thinking, this might not be for me anymore? Yeah, like just the reality of the world. And then they all of a sudden started talking about extinction of the human. Like Master said to us, life's going to go on for another million years. And then, and then it's going to end. Because you go through the different yogas. There's the Golden Age, the Iron Age, the Silver Age, and all that. And like he would make some real major pronouncements. Like he said, there's no aliens. He said, there's no, we're the only um, 
conscious life on earth on the in the universe and he made he said a million years and yeah i'm just bashing my head against the wall trying to make a living dealing with all this tragedy cancer um you know my mom died when you die as an initiate the master's supposed to come into the room and help you take you to the other side some initiates would say yeah i saw the master come in and take my mom and my mom left the path like i got her into the path and then her church said it was the devil so she left and she was always against it and when she passed away there wasn't all the love and the master it wasn't there and stuff and i don't know i just yeah there's just so many things that so many reasons i could go on and on about it but i finally i got so frustrated i was suicidal i'm not suicidal but just at the end of my rope yeah like you're facing things where I don't, you know, I don't want to say suicidal, but you know, those thoughts are always there. You always have options, right? And you're thinking, what are your options? If things are going to get so bad, if I'm going to get so sick or something, maybe that's an option, right? So, and on our path, you're not even supposed to think about that. Yeah, I'm at the end of my rope. So I start writing really intensely and telling him, this has been 30 years, man. And uh, yeah, I'm in my 50s. This has gotten out of control. This is, this is not fair and everything else. You promised all this. I'd have all these scientific proof for myself sure i saw the master change forms and i did have uh, there's a huge experience in the book that i wrote about where i went this my the successor that i chose like there was tons of them but i chose one he ended up passing away too and i went to chicago for the for the ceremony and there was they introduced the new successor and in the book i go on about do you want me to Go on, ex have that experience explained? Yes, please. Yeah. I go into this hall and there's, you know, hundreds of people and people are telling stories. This lady, her kids had died and she was just so distraught. So the master had her put her into meditation and she left the body and, and reunited with her kids. And the master said, you know, your time on earth will be short so that you can be reunited with your kids. And there's all these miracle stories that were going on. This one guy got up and said, it's in the newspaper. He had a newspaper clipping where the master was in two places at the same time. He was he was uh, Indira Gandhi's uh, finance person, accountant. And he was in a meeting with Indira Gandhi. So it was in the news and everything. But at the same time, he was holding a satsang in America. So he was in two different continents doing physically appearing and this guy felt he had proof of it. And he, he was holding up the pictures and the news articles to prove it. So these things were going on. And I walked into the room. It's so emotional. The master was, had just died. And I, you know, everybody's crying and everything. And I look on the stage and all of a sudden these huge columns of gold and this huge throne appears. And it's all jeweled and bright. This is the bright light. The angels come and they put this huge crown of sparkling jewels and light. The dead master appears and he's lying down and they put this crown on him. And then they take the crown off and they put it on the successor. I'm standing up, very emotional. There's, I'm crying and I'm seeing this happening in front of my eyes with my eyes open. I'm looking around. Are other people seeing this? People are chatting or people are coming in and out, going to the washroom and stuff. And it's kind of a ceremony thing. So there's a lot of silence. There's a lot of breaks and stuff. 
Uh, it's not like he's giving a talk. He's mostly just sitting up on his what's called a dais. It's a platform and and looking around at people. There's other people coming up to the stage to talk about things or and stuff like that. It's not an intense lecture thing. There's gaps where he's just looking around and I'm having this experience. I'm trying to think, who am I seeing here? Who's there? Like, is Jesus there or are there past masters there and stuff? But it's just more like angel forms. It's, it's nothing distinct where I could distinguish somebody. They have long gowns and it's a lot of light. Everything's just disappearing into light. So the edges just go into light. But I can look around. I can see people beside me, and I'm, I see people crying, other people crying and stuff. I actually rub my eyes because it seemed – I look around for – actually, I looked around for a projector. It seemed like a hologram, like somebody was playing a hologram, and there was a hologram going on in front of the master because the master his form would change he would appear as his as the person that like the master that died the successor would appear as him and other masters i see his form changing but at the same time i see him just sitting there he walks up to this onto this throne he's sitting on a throne but it's higher up so i can see the the two images it was really bizarre but I'm, at the same time, I'm so emotional and I'm so in the moment and crying. And part of me wanted to scream out and shout out that I was seeing this. And part of me wanted to rush up onto the stage and just feel it to see if the angels would interact with me or the, the master. The dead master was actually alive on the stage. And then he lied down and did this. And then he passed away. He just and then he faded into the light. Um, after they took the crown off him and the new successor went up into this throne and it was just all this light. And then I remember the master wrote in, he used to say that what you see with your eyes isn't as meaningful spiritually, like as, as your progression, as if you close your eyes and you see things with your eyes closed, because then it's your third eye seeing things if your eyes are closed. So I closed my eyes to see if I could still see the scene if my third eye could see it if i could see you know the master and god with my eyes closed with you know with my soul if my soul could see the image and it couldn't like as soon as i closed my eyes everything went dark so then i'd open up my eyes again and it was there i had no control over it it seemed it was there and it was so real that i wanted to run up and interact with it but i'm a passive kind of guy and i just cried and stayed there and eventually it faded and I tried to get it back and I kept staring, thinking if I really focused, it would come back and I couldn't get it back. So it just, yeah, it was just, uh, I can't, I don't know how long it lasted. It seemed like quite a while though, because, you know, I was checking it out and I was looking away and then looking back. It was an insane period. And, but every time you're with the master, it's, you're in another world, another universe. And then as soon as you leave and you go back to your home, it just doesn't stay with you. It just it just seems like you, you're in a higher plane and you're in a different universe. And then as soon as you're home, everything just goes back into darkness and struggle and reality. And 
after your experience on the dais and the the crowning of a, a successor master, did you speak to anyone else? Did anyone say, oh, my God, John, did you see that? Or was it just exclusive to you? It was mostly stories of the past. And people had, you know, they would get it up and talk and tell their story of the of, of some thing, miracle thing from the past master. So I mentioned some of those stories and the, those are experiences that other people had. And I did like you're not allowed as an initiate. You're not allowed to talk about your experiences. Like if something if you have an experience, you're not supposed to talk about it. You can talk about it in third person. So you can say, oh, so and so said they had this experience and you're allowed to do that. So I did do that. I, I said, oh, this guy said that he, you know, had this experience. Did you guys have anything like that? And I didn't know a lot of people that, that I knew. And yeah, nobody else had that experience. And they would tell other stories. Other people had amazing experiences. Like one person was jumping off the bridge and they he said that he actually jumped in the hand of the master caught him and brought him back onto the bridge and then appeared to him and hugged him and consoled him and said if you kill yourself you'll have to do that for eight lifetimes you'll be killing yourself every lifetime for the next eight lifetimes you won't get to god for a long time if you kill yourself and he was reprimanding him and telling him not to to kill himself and that was his story. So, yeah, a lot of people got up and told some pretty wild stories. I've already mentioned a few there. So, yeah, it seemed normal. It seemed like, okay, well, that was my experience. But what I didn't like about it is it didn't change me. Like, I came back home, and I was still into the same struggles. It didn't cure me of my sicknesses. I didn't have any power. I didn't have any connection to God. I'd meditate, and it was just darkness. Like I, I wasn't getting that experience when I was 14, leaving the body and being high on love and bliss and stuff. I could never get back to that intensity that I had, that reality. It was so real. What I saw just seemed so unreal. It just didn't fit into to life. And, and it started to make me realize that if there is all this power, like if he can manifest, you know, a crown on his head and he's the king He's the God of the universe. If he can manage all that, why do we have to, you know, live in this darkness where people are killing each other? There's cancer. There's people dying and war. Like we we're lucky we didn't go through war, but my family did. And my my dad died. My first dad died as an Air Force pilot going to the Korean War. And my granddad was shot up. My uncle was killed. Like, we live in good times, peace times, but there's wars going on in the world. And the Vietnam War and the Afghan War and all these things. And then people started talking about extinction, you know, when you read the science about it. And what's this group doing? What's this master doing? So I got really intense and started just freaking out, saying, this is enough. You know, if you're going to be God of the universe, if you're going to be walking on the earth and you can manifest to have angels appear and put crowns on your head and you don't have the power to save me from my mundane, stupid problems and you can't save this world and you're just going to let it burn. And then I started reading more like and I started interpreting things more like I read where the master said, well, God likes it the way this is. This is how it's meant to be. This is God's will. 
And I started thinking, what kind of God is this that would will this, that would purposely create this? Yeah. You know, people getting shot up, blown up, you know, whatever you want to imagine. You know, all the evil, like I had to go through so much evil trying to work with people, like people stabbing you in the back, trying to get you fired and evil people. Like you're working when you're working. I was a teacher and you're working with the lowest common denominator on earth. Bullies, everybody bullying each other. And uh, I go to school one day and there's a kid in the garbage can and dead. And, you know, you're dealing with all the, you know, the lowest common denominator of human activity on earth. And as a teacher, you're just thrown into this in the public system. And you're dealing with kids that are in gangs. They're killing people. They're doing drugs. They're uh, stealing. You know, you turn your back, they put a knife in you kind of thing. And that, you know, you're walking amongst this. And you just, you have to deal with this every day. And there's a God on earth. Like, what is this? Like, it just just got to be so bizarre. It didn't make any sense to me. I couldn't make any sense out of God. And I kept writing the master. And then finally he wrote and said, humans aren't allowed to know the truth. So just accept it and make the best, do the best you can. And they always, he always said, if you want to progress, do seva, do the work, get involved, do the hard work. A lot of people would go to the ashram and do all the work. They'd build these buildings. A lot of them were wealthy. They could afford to do that. But I was struggling. I hard to pay the rent, hard to pay the food. And then you... You know, all the tragedies that keep happening and people steal from you and steal everything that you've done. And oh, uh, just horrible things kept happening. And I just had it. And I just he said, it's like a game. He said, there's two teams or, you know, there's different teams. And if the one team always wins, it's boring. So you so God made all the teams equal and you don't know who's going to win. <laughs> I just thought, what us? That's the talk of a psychopath like yes. that that just made everything not make any sense but it made in some sense okay so god's a bored evil dude and he just created all this evil just to amuse himself and yeah that kind of made sense but i didn't want to have any part to do with this god and i just thought in my own mind if i could destroy this god or change his will or make him loving and not make him not bored I would do that, right? And it just, my thoughts just got to be ridiculous because, you know, you're just a monkey with a brain that, you know, if you believe in evolution, you know, we're probably, they probably are going to come out with proof in the next, you know, 10 to 100 years that we just evolved from apes, you know. Like a lot of people right now can still say, well, you know, there's missing links. Maybe the aliens intervened or something. Like they don't have 100% proof, I guess. I don't know. Some, some biologists think that they do, but they haven't convinced everybody. But anyway, and then they have these fossil records. And then there was a fire or something and it destroyed some of the evidence. I don't know what's going on there. But, you know, imagine if we just evolved from monkeys, if all that's true. Then what I'm thinking of, like trying to change the world. But anyway, so I just started writing this book as a catharsis to help me work through all these ideas. Like what happens if like we kidnap the master and make him change the world? If he's God, you know, you threaten him with, okay, well, you're just sitting around being bored. So now you're not bored. 
Well, meanwhile, we're suffering. We're going through this hell and you're blowing up. You're, you're killing our parents. You're killing our kids just so that you can't be bored. I just thought, how can we get out of this mess? And so we got to change God. We got to change God's will. You know, and I, that's, then I started writing this book and, you know, and, that, and then I left the path because I just couldn't deal with it anymore. So, John, can um, I just ask you a question here? So how long have you been on the path for you to get this answer that has absolutely destroyed your faith in, in what you've been doing like technically from 14 and i'm 64 now and this just happened within the last 10 years i guess i should get more exact with my date sorry about that you're not a problem um, 40 years you've dedicated yeah, like a, your your life to being on the path on a spiritual journey trying to find a connection for the master the boss to basically say don't worry about it it's all a game god's just bored with us yeah like i thought by becoming with the group and meditating i was i, I was benefiting my family that they, they were going to all be taken to heaven and i thought we were on a mission to change the world to get rid of the evil to you know make everybody whole and and make everything spiritual and you know turn the the lion into a lamb kind of thing like no more predators you know we were going to live in the garden of eden and and then it was going to become eternal and all this stuff. You know, like if I'm in heaven and I've got eternal life and I got to look down and see this going on, I'm not going to want to be there. This, this is insanity. This is just what kind of a God would sit up in, in bliss and let this go on. And if all these stories are true that he can appear in different places, he can fly through. Initiate said, oh, he walked through the wall and he came and gave us a hug. You know, all these stories are out there. If you're, if you're an initiate, like he's raised the dead. You know, I've seen him change forms into other masters. I saw that scene. If he has all that power, it's really true. Then he's an insane God. Like he's just trying to keep himself from being bored. Well, that's unacceptable. We got to get rid of this dude. Like, we got to change him. We got to change God's will. I mean, I can't, I couldn't imagine myself in heaven and watching this go on. Like, I sit in my backyard and I watch all the birds trying to kill each other, and then the squirrels. Like, I got a squirrel was killed by another squirrel in front of me. I mean, that's life. Like, you know, like all the animals are raping it's all rape right that's how they get pregnant it's rape and then you read all about humans you know war and power trips and ego trips and it's just insanity you know this is just obviously you were angry was it like an absolute shock were you like what have i done with my life and they've written blink of an oh. eye which in its own way is a continuation of your work and getting the message out there but was there a sense of what have i been doing or did you think it was worth it well yeah like i was on that for 30 years trying to develop myself as a human like a spirit to be empathetic loving and so, yeah, I was trying to fine-tune that. But, it, I mean, if I'm an ape, what a weird thing to be doing with your life. Like, that's it's an impossible thing. Like, why try to get people to do what's impossible? And it just I just started to think, yeah, I wasted my life. Like, I could have been trying to work towards us not going extinct. You know, that's a more pressing problem than trying to get my soul that doesn't maybe exist to merge with God, who might not even exist. So, yeah, it was like a total shock. Part of me wanted to get back in the race, but by then I had, I was dealing with cancer and I had no energy. I had no money. Now, like, I have no job. 
because I'm on stress leave and I and the employer stole all of my benefits and my pension and he stole my uh, my disability so I can't get disability. My employer still went ran off with the money and oh yeah like this reality is just bizarre like so evil and. I'm just trying to figure out what to do with my life. And I just thought part of me just gave up on everything and I'll just live my life, you know, doing what I want to do for the rest of it. But part of me is still humanitarian and I want to be, I want to have purpose. I want to do something that's right. That's good for humanity. And I just thought, okay, well, I'll just pour it all into this book, get this book out there, see if I can connect with people that have had the same spirits because nobody around me is you know, has given me any support or, you know, gone through anything like I've gone through. So I'm all alone here and I'm not in a, in a relationship right now. And um, yeah, they stole from me and ran off. And right from birth, my dad died when I was two months old. My whole life has been like that. Like everybody's deserted me, ran off, stole from me, tried to destroy my life and everything. And I somehow the spiritual path has saved me from suicide, I guess, all these years. So I guess I got to be thankful for that because this world is just so immensely evil that you don't even want to be here. If we could turn all that around and make something positive, like imagine if we all came to this scientific conclusion that we're just evolved from apes. Everything is just a made up story for the rich to get richer. So, you know, a group of us put an end to all that and changed government, like, you know, like the Venus project, the Zeitgeist project, like Peter Joseph, you know, there's movements out there that want to just remap the world, make it based on the reality, on the resources that we have. We're just a finite planet. Let's all get real here and just redesign everything, redesign the whole thing from the ground up. Right now, from the ground up, it's all based on who, you know, benefiting the power, who's in power, right? The, the rich and powerful. And everything's a lie from the ground up. It's all a big Ponzi scheme. It's all a big lie to benefit a few people. If I can be a part of helping to restructure and get everybody to face reality and come up with a loving, compassionate, humanitarian way to deal with our situation, then, yeah, if I could be a part of that. So bring it on if anybody wants to, you know. Well, well, you'll blink of an eye. Your new book it's out there is it's coming out the weekend of June the 28th, 2019. If you're listening to this way in the future, it's out there. It's an incredible book. And I think what you are doing is in your own way, you're doing what the master failed to do. I haven't got all the answers, but I've got my experience and a whole bunch of questions. And we we need to start asking the right questions if we're going to survive as a race. Because what we're doing now is wrong. And what fascinated me, because we'd never met, I got hold of the book, I contacted you, we had a chat. And for half a century, 50 years, you've been on a spiritual path, you've been on a journey. But now you feel that maybe there's a very different answer. And you think that maybe we've been looking at the wrong direction been looking at the wrong things and am i right in saying that you think that there might be more of an alien involvement in the human species or a construct like in the matrix yeah like we're always told you know it's black and white there's only one answer and if everybody just got on board with that one answer all the problems would be solved and that was god right i mean if god is some bored dude that's got all this power and and he's going to keep this game going. Well, that's one way that it turned out for me anyway. And then the other thing was, well, people would say, well, you just need the right God. 
you know, Jesus God or something, or, you know, Christian God, or then there's the Muslim God, and it just seems to divide the world. So there's lots of answers, other answers I could get from exploring other gods. But yeah, your mind becomes open. And if we evolved as apes, and you realize that everything on earth is made up by people then. All the stories, it's just all coming from the mind, a biological mind. It's not coming from any spirit or soul or anything. So maybe, so then we have to deal with reality in a whole different way. Yeah, people have come up with all these theories like, okay, then where did God come from? Or like, you know, you just open up a whole can of worms. So maybe it is all a simulation. Or maybe if there are aliens, then the problem is, well, where did the aliens come from? Is there ultimately behind uh, you open up one door and then there's another door you got to open and what's the final answer? And like, if there is a God, then who created God or how did God come about? So, yeah, it is a huge mind boggling mystery. And then, yeah, people come up with multiverses and stuff. So we the main thing that I come up with is if, if we can get onto the scientific uh, formula principle and follow it without politics or money or all this corruption and if everybody imagine if everybody born knew the truth that we don't know what the truth is that would be one step forward for mankind just by if everybody admitted that right now we got every religion saying no they got the truth they got all the answers and then we got science saying no this is it but there's so many different theories with science and then there's the alien answer but where does that lead us if there are aliens then who created the aliens so i mean it's it's just a maze so but imagine if everybody were told that we don't know the answer, let's all work together to find the answers. And we all re put our resources and all our money. Imagine what we could do as a human race, just trying to solve problems in the scientific way. If that was our number one God or number one goal is to apply the scientific method to everything, I think that would be a big step forward for humanity. And anything that couldn't be proven, we wouldn't base our life on it. Right now, all our systems are based on fantasy, and they're all leading for the rich to get richer and the poor to get poorer. They're not leading anywhere for humanity as a whole. So we got to get systems and methods that benefit everybody and the planet and give us answers, scientific answers with evidence. Right now, science doesn't have any money. It's all going towards, you know, the billionaires and whatever they, they're going to do with it. The trillionaires, they just want more power and more money, you know, stashing it away. Right now, humanity isn't using our resources to find the answers that we need. So we should base everything on the scientific method and without the corruption of money and and politics get down to these solutions for everybody. In Blink of an Eye, you've taken your life experiences, your views, your theories, and you've kind of put it in a fictional setting. Is that correct? Yes. One of my themes for the book, I guess, is that all these things that go against the laws of physics can only happen in fiction. So if a master can walk on water or, you know, raise the dead and all that, maybe that's just all fiction because it doesn't happen in the world, real world of the physical laws, the laws of physics. But if there is an alien and they can transcend the laws of physics or there are other laws that they can work, yeah, that blows up, you know, another can of worms. So maybe all these uh, stories can be real. We don't know. I don't know. 
And if anybody knows out there, let me know. <laughs> if anybody's got evidence for anything, let's let's pool it together and, and try to figure this out. But yeah, my story kind of ends in, you know, a real fiction thing where, you know, all that stuff is real. Like there is a, you know, this guy becomes a godlike. He can do all this. He can... Uh, bring back the dead he can he nothing can kill him and stuff like that so yeah he's got all these powers he can read minds and everything so he can do everything that a god can do but he can do it for real on earth and everybody can witness it everybody can evidence there's evidence for it and that's what we're lacking so i wanted to show what we're lacking in in this world like everybody's got a god but nobody you know that god doesn't do anything it's not demonstrating himself or itself and it doesn't show any evidence so that's what's the problem with all these gods and aliens and everything is there's no evidence. So my next book, I'm going to take it in another direction where all that fails and it's just humans. And they've, they realize that they have to follow the laws of physics and solve all the world's problems. And they get together and they go about doing that in a scientific way. Before I die, there's a blueprint of exactly what we can do as evolved monkeys in this situation that we're in. And I think some people are doing that. And uh, and I wish I could work with them. And I've reached out to some groups. And the world is divided, everybody, because everything is based on competition. So the minute you you come in there, you want to help. Everybody just sees you as competition. So they're like trying to kill you or kill your ideas or kill your, your inspiration or kill your energy and stuff. Because in this world, everything is competition. Like if you're a musician, you don't want any other musicians out there because they're going to be competing against your radio time or whatever. And that's what I'm finding. Like the minute I reach out and I say, well, let's work together. It's like, no, get lost. You're competition. So I've tried to reach out to, you know, all different organizations that I think are trying to build a blueprint and trying to solve all these problems in a realistic scientific way well i think john with with the book now coming out the book's coming out this weekend blink of an eye amazon barnes and noble hive cosmic egg hyphen books.com more and more people at a grassroots level are going to read your book okay and i'm blessed because as far as i'm concerned this is the first interview you've done but by speaking to my network People are hurriedly asking for you to come on to their shows as well. So suddenly your whole life is just going to explode now because the word is out there. And the Paranormal Chronicles podcast, the series, we get thousands of downloads, tens of thousands of listeners, hundreds of followers. And it only takes one person listening to this right now to go right that man has really resonated with me. And they're going to contact you and they're going to read your book and find out this information for themselves, understand your experiences and how you've presented it in a fictional universe to make it happen, you know, for you to make sense of what's happened. That's in blink of an eye. And I think this is the beginning, your time, your movement, your knowledge being spread. And like the masters, they all had to start somewhere. You haven't been well, you're getting on in age. Your book, these interviews... This knowledge is your legacy to make the world a better place. And a lot of people listening to this now, they're going to be in full agreement. And like you, yeah, they haven't got the answers, but they're asking the big question. And that is a wonderful thing to do. That is a legacy. That is a lifetime's purpose that you are achieving. And you should be incredibly proud. You said you haven't been well. You lost your father when you were young. You've had suicidal depression. You've had doubts. You've missed out on a lot of things in life because you are on a path. And now your life is going to mean something because whether it's this weekend when Blink of an Eye comes out or in a year 
or in a hundred years someone's going to pick up your book and it's, that's going to be the seed that will change everything the same seed that was planted in you when you were nine years old and the whole and it'll all continue again and something incredible will come from that wow yeah that would be a blessing to have a purpose and and to feel connected to other people that are going through the same experiences and if anybody wants to contact let's uh let's talk about these things <laughs> that'd be great john has his facebook page it's brand new it's john h.k fisher author that's john h.k fisher hyphen author or if you head over to cosmic egg sci-fi fantasy cult and horror you'll have all the information on how you can contact john because he is an incredible gentleman he really really is and blink of an eye is a superb book grab blink of an eye and read it and understand what john is trying to spread what john is trying to say and once you've read the book contact john if you're out there and you've got a radio show a podcast a magazine a fanzine a blog anything get in touch with john Help him spread the message because he is such a wonderful gentleman. You've just listened to him. Now, John, I've got a question for you. Okay. If you could go back in time and see that young 14-year-old boy sat under the tree, would you do anything different? To be honest, yes, I would. came from a small town and the people that were surrounding me had no answers for what and no support, weren't able to guide me through my experiences. But I wished, and I had no you know, means of being 14. In my fantasy, you know, I would meet the top scientists in the world that could help me work through that experience. There's a, a scientist in Toronto now who's got the, he's called it the God helmet, and he can put a helmet on a person's head, you know, with the electrodes and everything hooked up to the machines and computer and everything else. And he can induce spiritual or different uh, near-death experiences to people sitting in that are sitting in his office. If I could have been with the top scientists in the world that are doing brain research and neurology and all that, then maybe I would have been put on the right path right from the beginning. And I could have been spending my life contributing to, you know, the world waking up to reality and to finding a better way forward for humanity. And uh, I, looking back, it just seems like I was always waiting for perfection, waiting for that, the hand of God to guide me and waiting for the higher power uh, after all those years was totally let down, told that, you know, we're not allowed to be connected to the truth. We're not allowed to know the truth and that it's just all a big game. If that's the explanation, then yeah, that's, that's a psychopath God. That's not what I want to be involved in. That's not what I want to be a part of. I mean, if, even if that's true, as humanity, we gotta fight that God. Then we gotta find a way to overcome that God. <laughs> Which you know, that's just science fiction talk there. But let's say there is no God. Let's say there really, really, really isn't. And it's maybe it's just this is a computer simulation. Well, we gotta find the evidence for that, and then find out how to connect to that computer that's generating this, and find out how we can solve it. Maybe. Imagine living in a world where all the animals, nobody had to eat or kill something to feed themselves. You know, that's the world where I would like to live. And I'd like to live in a world where there's no mosquitoes and predators and things killing each other for food. <laughs> you know, where humans don't have to kill or you don't have to destroy somebody to have power and money. And, you know, all the competition and wars and 
you're always living on, we're here, you know, how can humanity get together and fix these things? Well, maybe we could be living in a world where there's brain transplants or something. If somebody's a murderer, they just get a new brain. You don't kill them or put them in jail. You just help them. You know, we live in a, you know, if we could live in a compassionate world where humans realize that we're not responsible for who we are, or what we are, we're born into this. We didn't ask for this. So let's find a solution to everything. Rather than right now, it's all competition and putting everybody in jail and blaming people, shaming people. And it's just created this monster. Like We're living in a, a real monster system right now. And it's just out of control. And everybody's saying we're headed for extinction, for World War Three. Only the aliens are going to come and save us. Well, come on, let's do it. Let's get let's get the evidence. Let's get get on. Let's work together as humanity and come up with a better uh, way forward. So if anybody out there wants to help or have any evidence or any solutions. Now, there's people out there. We, we talked about your Facebook page. Can people email? Can people get in touch with you direct? Is that OK? It's on my it's on my uh, Web page, www.johnhkfisher.com. A way to email. I, I'm giving away three free three songs. So I've got three songs that I give away if you leave your email. If you can't want to get in contact with me, uh, you get the bonus of three songs. So go ahead and contact me there through my website. So it's www.johnhkfisher.com. Yeah, there's a contact form there. You just fill in your 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 information, send me uh, whatever you want to say, and and then you get three free songs. And you can get a free chapter, too. I have a free giveaway of, a, of the first chapter. You can download that if you go to my website, www.johnhkfisher.com. So there you heard it, folks. Go to www.johnhkfisher.com. That's www.johnhkfisher.com. And you can get a free chapter of Blink of an Eye and... You can get some music off John as well. So that's amazing. So please do get in touch with him. Just reach out to him. Say you've heard the interview, how much you enjoyed it, and how much you're on board with his philosophy, with his mission, and get part of this movement. Let's get some positive change in the world. Let, let's open our eyes. Let's start asking the big questions and encouraging other people to do so. John, you are one of the most incredible human beings I've ever, ever spoken to. I've got a feeling we're going to hear a lot more from you. And you are welcome back on the show anytime you like. Thank you so much. Anything you'd like to leave our listeners with? We're here for such a short time. It's a, a miracle opportunity. The, the creation, however it came to be, it's a miracle we're here. And let's do the best, not just for ourselves, which is awesome to do. And those that get to do that, that's awesome if you're a billionaire and, and you're living the best life you can and i'm happy for you but there's also the whole of humanity and our future you know many generations down the road we're at a place where everything's documented and this could be passed on if there are aliens we could be in touch with aliens and have something positive uh, to bring to the table instead of extinction and, and third world wars and wars and and all this ego trips and and <laughs> and power trips and stuff like that so um let's get together let's work together i'm a musician if you want to 
uh, sing together, if you want to play together, put out music that supports this stuff. I'm all for that. Uh, um, we could put a studio together. Uh, we could put put out books. We could make a movie. Uh, let's just do it. Let's work together. This is a call out. This is a reach out to the world. Let's all work in a scientific way to find a way forward for humanity. So we're not going to go into extinction. We're not going to go into World War III. We're going to solve all these problems and let's do it together. That's an incredible message. And everyone, blink of an eye. You've heard it from John. And remember, head to www.johnhkfisher.com for more information. John, thank you very, very much, sir. What a wonderful man. Thank you very much. Okay, Gavin, it's my honor to have met you. And thank you so much for your support. It's, it's, a, it's a real blessing. I look so much forward to getting uh, some feedback and feeling, uh, you know, some connection with people that are struggling with these ideas and with with the situation we're in, the reality that we're in, and trying to make the best of it. And I think if we help each other and stuff, we'll all try to help humanity, help, to help myself through through the dark times and help and be support for anybody else. So that, that'd be awesome. Thanks so much for this opportunity. You've got an amazing platform here and uh, thank you for letting me be part of it. There we have it. One man's life journey. What do you think? Are we created and controlled by a higher power? Influenced by aliens? Or do we live inside a construct? Tell us. As John says, our beliefs, our personal philosophies can all change in the blink of an eye. John's experiences encapsulated the whole spectrum of life, from the hilarious to the confusing and the heartbreaking. I hope you support him on his quest. Pick up Blink of an Eye and get in touch with him at www.johnhkfisher.com and he will send you some music just for saying hello. Just to remind you, our amazing followers, that the new edition of the free digital magazine is out. These 175 free packed pages include amazing articles. Amazing articles such as Dave Dominguez, good friend, writes about his theories on how old mankind really is. Lorelei Popvin of the Facebook group Paranormal University teaches you how to effectively open your third eye. Clear Waters of Raising Faith gives details of her extraordinary encounters with a phantom which is the Lady in Black. And David J. Moore of Evolutionary Metaphors discusses his first UFO encounter. All of this and so much more in the Paranormal Chronicles free digital magazine. Visit www.theparanormalchronicles.com forward slash magazine. That's right, visit www.theparanormalchronicles.com forward slash magazine. It's free. No sign-up, no subscription, no nonsense. Just full of knowledge for you. Remember to follow, download this series and listen. There are shows on UFOs, ghost encounters, demon encounters and so much more. And we have great guests ready for upload. I'll always strive to bring you the best guests and features ever. Followers get put into a monthly prize giveaway, so follow now. Let me leave you with this. John spoke at length about the frustrations and disappointments of life, the effects of drug use, feelings of grief and loneliness, and his struggles with depression. John overcame these issues, and is a man on a mission trying to help the world, one reader, one listener at a time. It's important that you, yes you, you listening right now, understand that your life is important, that you matter, your life really matters. However you feel, whatever you've done in your life, you matter, and people care for you. You can get help and support for grief, addiction, dependency, depression, and good people are ready to talk to you. They care, and they will help you. 
You matter. I know this because I've experienced all of the above. I am here and I care about you. Thank you for listening. Sleep well.